On this episode of Movie Bites, we take a look at the one that started it all, 1937's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Welcome to Movie Bites, uh, whatever the heck that is. Um, I'm your host, Clay, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Clay. Long hey. time no chat. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so for those of you who are confused right now as to what this is, uh, this is a one-off show that uh, me and Jeff decided to put together uh, with a good friend of ours uh, basically once a month. Uh, instead of reviewing Disney video games, we decide what the heck we're gonna we're gonna review some uh, some Disney movies as well. So uh, we're starting at the very beginning, and uh, we probably won't make it to the end. But let's just say that we're gonna shoot to get to the very end and uh, hit all of the major animated movies released by Disney. So once a month, we're gonna be doing that. It's called Movie Bites instead of Mouse Bites. Uh, but you don't have to subscribe anywhere else if you're subscribed to Mouse Bites. Um, you can find them there as well. That being said, uh, we decided there was no better host to invite on with us other than a good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Mr. David Jones. And so, David, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Love to talk some Disney with you guys. Yes, you are, uh, you're a pretty smart guy when it comes to your Disney. I know you love uh, collecting your Blu-rays, uh, Disney movies and stuff, and so... Um, I figured you'd enjoy this. It'd be, uh, you know, we've done shows together in the past, so I figured, what the heck? Let's get the band back together and and do something fun. So, uh, hopefully, you're excited about all this. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. I, I've it's, some of these I haven't watched in a while, so it's it's good to go back through them all, and uh, it gives me yeah. it gives me excuse to buy the remaining few that I don't own yet. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I kind of like that about a lot of these video game podcasts that I do. It's like, oh, this is coming up. Guess I have to buy it. And like, but I enjoy buying it. But it's like mm-hmm. the perfect excuse. So, um, yeah. So we're this is uh, our first episode doing movie bites. So bear with us as we try to figure out exactly uh, the format and what works best for us doing this. So this is our trial run, uh, the the first one of them all, uh, just like uh, Snow White was. So. Um, Hopefully you can give us some grace, and hopefully it'll be as big of a hit as the movie was. Uh, probably not, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as I said at the beginning of the episode today, we are taking a look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, <clears throat> Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, yeah, just to start it off, I'm, I'm going to throw it over to Jeff, and uh, he's going to read off some facts and information uh, about the movie. Jeff, take it away. Alrighty, so this movie premiered on December 21st, 1937, which is a very long time ago, yeah. uh, at the Carthay Circle Theater in Los Angeles, which is no longer there, but is now uh, memorialized in Disney California Adventure and to a lesser extent in Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, it then had a broad U.S. release in February of 1938, February 4th. Uh, not sure what the international premiere date was. It was probably around that time, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, and I also don't know if it just continued to run only in the Carthay Circle between December and February or if there was some sort of like limited release. 
that's all probably documented somewhere, but not in the research we have here. Uh, it was directed by six different directors plus Walt Disney, if you want to say that he had his hand in the entire thing. Uh, he was credited as the producer, Walt Disney was, but the, uh, the six directors, there was a supervising director, David Hand, and then five, I assume, unit directors uh, that kind of did different parts of the movie. It was written by multiple people. Again, not sure how much of that was uh, doing, you know, drafts and rewrites like it's done today, or if it's just those are all people that pitched in to the overall story and kind of patchworked the whole thing together. Obviously, they were adapting it off of a Grimm's fairy tale. Uh, music was done by three people, uh, Frank Churchill, Paul Smith, and Lee Harline, um, none of whom I'm familiar with, so I'm not sure if they went on to do more Disney movies or uh, were well-known at the time or anything like that. Uh, it uh, obviously has a voice cast. Uh, the, the lead character is Adriana Casalotti, or I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, most interesting thing about her is that she really didn't go on to do anything else, and that was mostly because Walt Disney essentially contracted her to not because he did not want the illusion of Snow White to be ruined by kids or, or people seeing her in other things or hearing her voice more specifically, um, which is a little messed up and, and definitely not possible today with the way unions work. But uh, I hope she was paid very well. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it says she was paid uh, $970 for the film, which calculating for inflation is $16,512. So uh, not paid super well. Yeah. I don't know how that compares to other actresses of the time or anything like that. But unfortunately, uh, she kind of got the worst end of the deal. Hopefully she got some sort of perpetuity. I have no idea. Not, not credited as far as I've seen. Um, the rest of the cast, nobody that I've really heard of as any of the other parts. Really, there's you know the Seven Dwarfs, the Queen, uh, the Prince, and the Huntsman. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. The the, uh, the budget of the movie was one point four nine million dollars. It was originally projected. Walt pitched it to uh, Bank of America as a two hundred and fifty dollar budget, which at the time was ten times more than the average Silly Symphony or Mickey cartoon. And so he thought that that would be more than plenty. But uh, costs ballooned over the time of production, uh, which we'll get into the uh, the timeline of that in the next section, but uh, it essentially kept getting more and more expensive and his brother Roy managed the money and, and he ended up getting one point, essentially $1.5 million to make this movie, which is insane for the time, let alone even today. I mean, that's still a lot of money for a, a non-major studio film at the time. I mean, obviously they weren't, they weren't the big behemoth they are today. Uh, that right. said, the box office went on to make $418 million dollars. I don't know if that's global or domestic or if that's just overall. I would assume that's global, but it's uh, still one of the top or the top grossing animated film of all time considering inflation. So uh, the movie runs 83 minutes, which again, it was the longest movie at the time, first feature length animated film. So, uh, you know, they, they got their money's worth out of those 83 minutes. I'll say that. Um, oh, yeah. So with that, I'll kick it back to you, Clay, to kind of go through some of the behind-the-scenes and production elements of this movie. Yeah, so with this movie, there are so many interesting facts and tidbits 
and things that have been documented throughout the years. So I tried to find the most interesting ones. So bear with me if this runs a little long. Guys, if you have anything to interject, please stop me and and share your thoughts. So uh, development on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs began in early 1934. And in June 1934, Walt Disney announced the production uh, of his feature to be released under Walt Disney Productions to the New York Times. So that was kind of when the, the buzz started. Um The same year, Disney acted out the entire story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to his staff, announcing that the film would be produced as a feature-length film. And so this has been something that uh, Snow Snow White, um, Walt Disney has wanted to do for a long time. A lot of people say that when he was a kid, he went and saw... I don't know if it was a stage production or a movie version of, of the Grimm's Fairy Tale, and I think people said ever since then he's wanted to do this so it was definitely a passion project of his which is which is pretty cool um snow and the seven doors was to be his first full-length cell animated feature uh in motion picture history i think at least in the united states there might have been uh i thought i read somewhere there was some other ones outside the united states mm-hmm. um as Jeff said, both him and his brother, uh, Roy, and his wife, Lillian, uh, attempted, uh, I guess, Roy and Lillian both tried to talk Walt Disney out of it, um, and even Hollywood was referring to it uh, kind of behind his back as Disney's folly uh, during production, um, but Walt wasn't hearing any of it, and in fact, towards the end, he had to mortgage his house to help finance uh, more production, um, as Jeff was talking about earlier, where he... It basically got bumped up more than it was, so um, really was trying to make it work. Um, There's a couple songs in this film that got pulled from the movie. Uh, uh, basically, I think they're both with the dwarves. One is called Music in Your Soup. Uh, have either of you listened and or watched the deleted scene Music in Your Soup? Yes. Okay, I just watched it the other day for the first time. Dave, have you seen it? Uh, yeah, but it was it was a while back. What, right when the most recent Blu-ray came out, I watched it off of that. And that was right. probably like last year. So I, yeah, it's probably I the last time I watched it. Yeah, I couldn't hum it for you or anything. Yeah, um, it's basically more of the dwarves singing and, and doing silly things. Um, it felt right at home with the rest of the movie, but um, it, it felt like... And I'm pretty sure they... Uh, they got it out of the film and replaced it with something else. Um, the other one being You're Never Too Old to Be Young, which was replaced by the Silly Song. And so I think basically they just realized uh, we've got these two or you know scenes that are really good uh, or two music numbers that are really good. Which ones do we want to use? And they kind of just wouldn't fit in either spot kind of thing and uh, just had to cut some stuff for time or whatever or just didn't want to fully animate it all but uh listeners if you haven't watched music in your soup it is like partially animated and it's actually worth watching it's kind of interesting um but really it's just them singing as they eat their soup that snow white made them so Walt Disney had suggested from the beginning that each of the dwarves whose names and personalities are not stated in the original fairy tale should have their own personalities. Uh, the dwarves' names were chosen from a pool of about 50 potential, including Jumpy, Deffy, Dizzy, Hickey, Wheezy, Baldy, Gabby, Nifty, Sniffy, Whit, Swift, Lazy, Puffy, Stuffy, <laughs> Tubby, Shorty, and Burpee. Uh, I'm surprised Burpee didn't make it, because mm, what kid yeah. doesn't love a good fart and burp joke? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but over time, they, they landed on those. I think uh, Dopey actually ended up being the last one that they, they finally settled on. But, man, what a list there, guys. Yeah. Um, 
that's pretty crazy uh walt walt disney encouraged his staff everyone at the studio to contribute to the story offering five dollars for every gag that was used um one of those came that came from that offer that he made was the whole uh dwarves nose popping over the foot of the bed and so uh, i thought that was kind of neat i like that he uh encouraged everybody to be a part of it like hey if you think of something funny and we use it like i'll give you some money so it seems like a fun like in studio thing to do um so i thought that was pretty cool um so at, at first there, there's been so many different versions and drafts that were written for this it started out much more elaborate and then uh as things went along um a lot of things got adjusted uh at first uh the dwarves were going to be the main focus of the story and uh, many sequences were written for the seven characters i think that was actually walt's thing is he really thought that they should be the focus but at a certain point it was decided to move the main focus uh um towards queen and snow white and their relationship uh and for that reason several sequences uh like i mentioned with the dwarves were cut um the first one was animated entirely, showing Doc and Grumpy arguing about whether Snow White should stay with them. Uh, another, also completely animated, would have shown the dwarves eating the soup. Uh, Snow White unsuccessfully attempted to teach them how to eat like gentlemen. Uh, a partially animated sequence involving the dwarves holding a lodge meeting in which they're trying to think of a gift for Snow White was also supposed to be in there, uh, was also cut. So uh, a bunch of different things uh, got cut. One interesting fact, uh, the lady who recorded the Wicked Queen Lucille Laverne uh, was told by Walt Disney uh, they needed an older raspier version of the Queen's voice for the old witch and so she stepped out of her recording booth returned a few minutes later and gave a perfect old hag's voice that stunned the animators uh, later on she was asked how she did that and she said oh I just took my teeth out <laughs> and so that's I guess all it took which is pretty cool because I wasn't even sure while watching it if it was the same lady yeah uh, she's I, I, yeah I, I thought maybe they recasted you know for the for the older lady had some uh, an older woman do it but it's it's both her and I think that it was the the right call to keep it for her to do both because it really is still the same character mm -hmm. even though she kind of makes a transformation but um uh Disney Studios in Burbank was built with the profits from this movie thought that was kind of interesting um this next one's a zinger um <laughs> adolf hitler's favorite movie along with king kong and sun valley serenade was uh snow white and the seven doors so if, if this is your favorite movie you and uh mr adolf have something in common i guess <laughs> uh moving along uh roy disney uh created the sound of the floor creaking with dopey's slow footsteps by slowly bending an empty leather wallet back and forth so take that uh there's a hidden mickey in this movie uh formed by three stones on the wall behind the queen as she strides down to the basement to perform her spell gentlemen did you notice this hidden mickey i did not I did oh, not of either. course you did not i did not either has it been I'm, confirmed that it was intentional or just like a really nice coincidence i don't know okay. uh, it was it, somebody wrote it down i i should have gone back and just looked to see how obvious <laughs> yeah. it was um, but yeah, it seems like a long while back for them to be hiding Mickey's already, but, um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how many more hidden Mickey's pop up, uh, in these movies as we continue. Uh, publicity material talks about the production of this movie states that Disney employed 32 animators, 
102 assistants, 167 in-betweeners, 20 layout artists, 25 artists doing watercolor backgrounds, 65 effect animators, and 158 female inkers and painters. Two million illustrations were made using 1,500 shades of paint. Wow. That's so insane. Those are some numbers. Is that That's 2 million illustrations. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, man, that's crazy. Um... I love this. I love this fact. So I, I had to keep this in. Uh, animator Seamus Colhane uh, recalled drawing the dwarves marching home in the hi ho scene as one of the toughest assignments of his career. Along, although six of the dwarves were marching at the same tempo, he had to give each his own body language suited to the character, and he had to map each individual walk with a blue pencil and ruler because of the unusual angles and perspectives used in the sequence. Then there was Dopey, bringing up the rear, hopping out of step with the others, but who still had to be smoothly integrated into the action. Describing the sheer amount of labor this involved, Colhane said, I worked six months on that gosh dang thing, and it doesn't last a minute on screen. <laughs> Man. That's animation for you right there. Yeah. That sums it up perfectly. Oh, but it's so good, because they totally could have just animated everybody in step, like, just robotically yeah, just the it. same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they literally painstakingly gave everybody kind of their own, you know, body language. And then you got dopey in the back, man, just, I don't know, listening to somebody talk about it, it really helps you appreciate it more. I feel like Mm -hmm. definitely this was the first film to ever have a soundtrack, apparently uh, recording album released for it. Um, But because Walt Disney pictures did not have its own music publishing company at the time, um, all the rights to publish the music and songs from the film are actually still controlled by Born Company. Uh, in later years, the studio was able to acquire back the rights to the music uh, from all other films except this one. Uh, prior to Snow White and the Seven Doors, yeah, a movie soundtrack recording was unheard of and was basically of little value to a movie studio. So yeah. uh, this kind of paved the way for that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I would love to get my hands on a copy of that. I wonder how expensive they are. But like the original vinyls? Yeah. Yeah, this right. has got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always find it interesting, like uh, movie rights back in the day, like how, um, or just rights to things in general where studios. It still happens, yeah. It's... They like, I mean, even like, what was it? Star Wars that basically gave George Lucas all of the. The merchandising. Um, yep. and, merchandising. Yeah. And stuff like that and then like fox getting the rights to a new hope and all that like all that kind of yep. stuff is it's really interesting so and then yeah all the marvel stuff with like spider-man and i mean there's just there's <laughs> still they're still at it today and i don't know why nobody's learned <laughs> yeah, yeah right they want to make a buck crazy. they don't know that they don't know the the future all right uh last fact here uh the film was finally re- released on video in 1994 um after several years of the studio resisting any notion of the idea uh, according to former Disney CEO Michael Eisner, the reason why the studio ultimately released Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on video was because the film was about to enter public domain in Italy and would be prone to being pirated. Ultimately, Disney had their copyright on the movie extended. Wow. Um, I, you know, I never knew that that was the actual reason. Yeah, I, I remember what had happened. I mean, I was still pretty young. I do too. I, I remember all the hubbub about it. I didn't quite understand it, but... Yep, same. Yeah. I was like... Oh. It's kind of... It's weird that they were holding off. They didn't want to release it. It was it was Walt's wishes for it 
to only be released in theaters every seven years. And really? they went on that notion for all the films after that. And that's how they, that was prior to home video. That's how they released them. It was just kind of almost in cycle every seven years. They'd release whatever film came out, you know, in the multiple of seven before that. Uh, and then the VCR changed everything. And, and Pinocchio was the first one they did. Like it was like early nineties, maybe late eighties, mm. but it was a really big deal at the time. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm glad they <laughs> they finally did that. I mean, I yep. would probably still go to the theater every seven years to. I know. I wish they still did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they didn't Maybe have to not... stop doing that just because they put it on home video. But yeah, the last one I remember them doing that with that I was aware of was the first movie I ever saw in theaters was The Jungle Book. Um, mm. like maybe 89 or 90 whatever would well, have been a multiple of 7 after it's released they had the Lion King back in theaters not too long ago oh that's well, true they did a 3D they did the release 3D and and Mermaid Beauty, and Beauty, yeah, and, Beauty and the Beast yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that you're one. right they did kind of do all the, the modern-ish ones but none of the old ones really that I'm aware of have been in wide theatrical release in a long time yeah that's true it's too bad it really is Ah. <sighs> All right. Well, that is it for uh, some behind the scenes facts. Hopefully, that wasn't too painful. I thought we did pretty good with it. So, yeah. and by we, I mean me. So, good, good job. Let's be honest. We're proud. All right. So next up, uh, we're going to kind of talk through the movie, and I promise it's not going to be that painstakingly as it, or painful as it sounds. Uh, we're just going to hit on some of the main things that happen throughout the movie. Uh, kind of do a retelling of it. And uh, as we go through, uh, maybe play a couple of clips from the movie as we're talking through it. And uh, uh, Jeff and Dave, definitely please interject and give me your thoughts. And then once we get through talk, kind of retelling the whole story from, uh, on the main points, then we'll uh, kind of talk about our overall thoughts of the movie and, and get out of here. So um, does that sound good, guys? That works for me. Woohoo! All right. This. So. We are starting the movie, so I'm pressing the start button, and uh, we're rolling. So we open with uh, a thank you from Walt Disney himself, as well as the opening credits, um, followed by a book opening, and uh, with the classic book setting up the story. Yeah. that uh, The whole book thing is something that I wish they still did. Yeah, I and I know as recently as Tangled, they were going to do it, and it just got scrapped because of how that movie got rewritten. Do you uh, know the last time they have done it, by any chance? I'm trying to I think. I don't. Not off the top of my head. Yeah. Was but, it? Did the Jungle Book open that way, even though it wasn't a fairy tale? Or no? I, I yeah. feel like it did. I, think, yeah. I feel like it was that one, but I, I, I couldn't even be sure on that. Wow. Honestly, it's a long time. It's literally. I don't think like any of the, the modern ones have. They literally stopped then, as you know, after as soon as Walt Disney died, because that was like the last one Walt worked on. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Huh. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look in. Our, I'm looking at it right here. Um, we've got Snow White, Pinocchio, Song of the South. Uh, Adventures of Ichabod, Mr. Toad, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Robin Hood, uh, Beauty and the mm. Beast, Belle's Magical World, yeah. The Tigger Movie, Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year, Enchanted opens with a book, oh. um, A Christmas Carol, the the or the, the stop mode. weird creepy one, yeah, the weird one, and then uh, the most recent Winnie the Pooh has a, a book open. Okay, okay, there you go. So there's been so a few, but mostly poo as far as like a classic disney fairy tale from disney feature animation it looks like it would be robin hood robin hood so 1977 ish so yep 
actually released 1973. Oh, was that 73? I was thinking yeah. that's the rescuers of 77. That's my bad. That's okay, Jeff. We'll let you off the hook this once. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. You're better with your years Interesting than I am, dude. <laughs> that Shrek went ahead and spoofed it and did it when they did that whole run. Yeah. But that, yeah. again, was a jab at Disney, the whole point of that. So um, right. it's an interesting precedent that they set, but ultimately That's they kind right. of stopped using it. Because he wiped his butt with it, didn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then All-Star played. <laughs> hey, now. You're an All-Star. Uh, <laughs> moving away from that, uh, I thought the uh, the opening thank you from Walt Disney was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, pretty much nobody does that. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. a thing of its time and not really a thing anymore. It was more like Walt being like, hey, thanks for all the unpaid overtime. And yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm sure you guys all hated me at some point, but we made it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's how we start off. Uh, directly following that, uh, it gets super scary super quick, and uh, the music just gets real serious. And uh, we are um, presented with uh, the queen, the evil queen, and the mirror scene uh, with the very famous who is the fairest one of all uh, line. So, uh, basically, at this point, I was already kind of scared as a kid, and it didn't take very long at all. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the first character you see in the first line spoken are of the villain. I don't know many movies that start that way. Right? Yeah, it is pretty from, a sto- from a storytelling perspective, you usually want to introduce your hero as the first character. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, the face in the mirror—that's like that's that had to have been really sort of mind blowing to someone in 1937 seeing something like that. So it really yeah. looks like eerily animated. It looks the so the smoke on that is really good too. Like the effects. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did, it was probably I rotoscoped, but I mean, it still looks really cool. And you, again, like you said, Dave, like the what this must have looked like to audiences <laughs> back then, you know, early in the era of color and all that. Right. Like it's, yeah, it would have been crazy. Yeah, as I was watching this, I literally made a note and said the smoke animation on the mirror is amazing for back then. So yeah. uh, it definitely stood out to me as well. What wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas, Following that, we get out of there, and uh, we are presented finally with Snow White. I say finally, but not that long after, uh, who is uh, apparently a princess, but is wearing an awful outfit. And some and rags. Is, <laughs> some rags and these, like, ugly clogs. Yeah. Looks like she's wearing, like, Crocs or something. Uh, she is cleaning <laughs> and singing. Uh, it's where we're presented with the first song of the movie um, titled I'm Wishing. Uh, which kind of seamlessly flows into a song called One Song, uh, which is sung by the prince. Yeah, the creepy prince. Who just the creepy <laughs> prince. <laughs> oh, come on. He, he just, like, breaks into this castle and just hops over and just like, yo, what up? What up, eh? But yeah, you heard a, a girl singing, and he's like, I'm in on this. <laughs> this is my thing. Yeah. Breaking and entering. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> stalker yep um then she's just i don't know about it too she's like okay yeah okay fine um i don't know about you guys the i'm wishing song is just kind of meh for me 
Yeah, um, same. Not, not really. I mean, it, for a f- opening song, it's a little weak. And uh, Kid Me was like just losing interest pretty quick because, granted, yeah. I'm a boy and I don't really care about princesses and wanting to fall in love. Um, honestly, I think the best part about the song are the white doves um, uh-huh. that or whatever <laughs> they are uh, that are with her because they kind of are reacting and they have, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can just tell Disney like just is really good at animating animals and so mm-hmm. uh i just found myself watching them more than like her and so i was kind of like eh, it's okay but then once the prince song starts uh, the one song i was like okay this is a much better song uh at least melody wise it's just a very iconic uh well-written melody in fact i'm pretty sure it's the the opening um like um, I don't know what the orchestra song that plays the overture, oh, yeah. the overture. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And so <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it, that's the one they used. Probably, and yeah, uh, yeah just uh, even though like listening to those, like that guy sing, he you know, he sings kind of like a, a guy would back then or whatever, but the operatic I, type. Thing. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Th- that's my thoughts. The, uh, her song, not so much. His is a little bit better, mostly just because I think it has a good melody. Yeah, from a critical standpoint, if you kind of go off of musical theater and just musicals in general, you structurally, this makes sense to have here as her I Want song. And, you know, famously, I think the Sherman Brothers and Alan Menken and and, uh, Howard Howard Ashman um, use use that format to kind of start off with a musical number where the girl says what she wants. The worst thing about it is how shallow it is that she's just like, I wish a prince would come. Like, okay. <laughs> you don't want anything more it, in your life? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> weird, too, how it's almost instantly fulfilled in this instance. Cause, yeah, because... Yeah, yeah. yeah, and most... And then she runs away. She, like, takes off immediately. Right. That's true. So, I'm like, what? Uh, uh, another thing I thought was interesting, uh, during the, the part, the one song, when he's singing to her... Uh, the evil queen looks out her window and uh, like gets really mad and closes the blinds. And <laughs> yeah. so my thought is like, does she want to get with the prince, uh, or is she? J- I-, I assume it's intended to where like she's just jealous that she's getting attention. But in my head, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder how, no, it, is the queen because she looks pretty young. Like I mean, she's her stepmom, right? So maybe they're only like a few years yeah, apart. Yeah, I mean, she wants to be fairest of all. I mean, yeah, and pretty much the only motivation some, in like the female characters in this in this uh, movie some is male. Weird girls, undertones so. in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, anything else before we continue on? No, nope, let's go. All right. So then, following that, the queen tells the huntsman to kill Snow White, and. Uh, He's like, whoa, what the heck, lady? Yeah. Um, so it starts to get a little heavy pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and she wants some she wants some proof, and so she wants the heart of her and stuff, like which pretty heavy. You wouldn't yeah. probably get that nowadays. Uh, I get that it's – I assume it's from the um, – Yeah, the I think that's a core part of the original story. Okay. Because I think the – yeah, the – the pig's heart and all that, I think, is part of it. Yeah. That. I imagine it was well known enough at that time not to, like, horrify people. Right. Yeah. So, following that, the huntsman, uh, for some reason, uh, takes her out to. I don't know. What is she doing out there? She's like she? picking flowers, yeah. isn't she? Singing, like, she's right. singing to birds, smelling flowers, yeah. you know, doing um, princess stuff. Doesn't. Isn't she, she. So, at that point, she switches from rat tattered. 
outfit to nice iconic Super princess. princessy. Yeah. yeah. So Which makes it all the weirder that she was not wearing that at the palace. They just had or to establish that doing she chores was in general. Her womanly duties of cleaning. Yeah, I guess they didn't have castle servants <laughs> back then. Well, no, I I, I, I don't I, know. It's I assume it's weird. implied that she shouldn't be doing that stuff but because wicked step queen is right yeah yeah Yeah, she's she's a stepmom so she's automatically evil and is making her do the cleaning stuff but i did think it was interesting and i was going to save this for later but might as well bring it up now sure if snow white hadn't been forced to do all this cleaning it would ruin the storyline down the line of her taking care of the dwarves and cleaning up their place because if she was a really fancy formal princess, she wouldn't know how to bake or cook and she wouldn't know how to clean their place. And I don't know. Right. That's true. And out. that's something I never thought of, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. So uh, I just thought it was weird that all of a sudden she went out. And so it's like, oh, put on a nice outfit now. Uh, you would think if, if her mom hated her then and she was planning on killing her. Maybe not, don't let her dress up. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> overthinking it. But uh, so at that point, yeah, uh, Huntsman goes out there to kill her and basically corners her with a knife. And uh, she freaks out when she turns around and then he can't do it. And so she runs off into the woods. Can you fly? I can't do it. Forgive me. I beg you, your highness. Forgive me. I don't understand. She's mad. Jealous of you. She'll stop at nothing. But, but who? The queen. The queen. Up her child. Run. Run away. Hide. In the woods. Anywhere. Yeah. So far, so so far, so so good. So good. Yep. Everybody follow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know this is a really complex story. So far. It is so intricate. So then uh, she runs off into the woods. Things get super scary. Um, uh, things, uh, you know, for kids watching this, this part's maybe a little intense. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, it's really scary, but I feel like it needed to be because it not only was it, you know, her off on her own, but she literally almost just got murdered. And then she just found out that her stepmom wants her dead. And so... That, that's a lot to take in super quick yeah. and so I think kind of the, everything coming to life and like wanting to kill her uh, was really just her like having like a mental like panic attack freak out moment um, and just also kind of representing she's on her own now and everything's kind of scary um, I love how the forest comes alive in this uh, like the, the logs in the water look like, like crocodiles or alligators and the trees look like they're reaching out to grab her uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's all in her head, um, but she is still just kind of a kid and like freaking out. So I thought that was just really well done. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think what you're saying. I think that uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like it's almost a bit much because I feel like there's probably enough trauma without like just screaming and doing thing. So, I don't know. On my yeah. watch through, I just kind of noticed just really felt like she was... I felt like it was almost weakening the character a little bit much. Just to have her it, suddenly be frightened by every single thing in her surroundings. 
It does, but she's away from home, and, and yeah. she's like Clay said, she's still a kid. Yeah, uh, I get that. It's you just... know, it's, it's showing her imagination, which <laughs> I don't know how much that comes into play with taking care of the dwarfs later, but it's there. Yep. Right. No, it's good, Dave. I'm totally... I welcome us having disagreements in these things. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, think, I think your point might be better if there was actually some attempt to strengthen her character later, but there really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, direct, directly following the scary woods, uh, she finally calms down and is comforted by uh, none other than woodland creatures of uh, varying species. Um, and so, what better to do than sing a song, right, guys? That's right. That's what um, I would do. Like, <laughs> just found out all that scary stuff and got lost in the woods and don't know how to get home, and I'm just gonna start singing. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Such an optimist. And yes, that's the ultimate ot- optimist. Uh, so she sings with a smile and a song. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. Any thoughts on that song? I, I didn't really. Just pacing wise, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I honestly didn't even remember it until you know I read the notes. It's, it's a pretty forgettable song. Interesting. I think that's the one I think of the most with this movie. Really. Yeah, Not that hi-ho. might be because yeah, I guess hi ho a little bit mm-hmm. more. But um, when I was a kid, we had a, a cassette tape, and later the CD is called like the animated symphonies or something, and it was basically just Disney music done in a big symphonic orchestra, and that's the one that always stood out to me in the Snow White Suite. So I think that's why. But. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, pers- yeah. Personally, <laughs> aside from like a handful, I think the songs are slightly forgettable in this movie. At least yeah. in comparison to others. Oh yeah, I mean, when you compare it to others, it's it's harder to argue it. But mm-hmm. I have more thoughts on that. But I'm gonna save my thoughts for later. Um, okay. But um, so basically, eventually, the woodland creatures realize that Snow White is too dumb to find a place to live in the woods, because at one point she literally starts li- listing off places she could live, including <laughs> like with the rabbits, and then like in the trees, and like. I know it's more kind of poetic, but she's like, can't live there. Can't live there. And then the woodland creatures are finally like, follow us. You can live in this cottage. And uh, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of poking fun at her. But um, basically at this point, I realized the woodland creatures um, are awesome. And, yeah. and I, I, I noted down as well as Snow White is animated, the woodland creatures are ten times better animated because Disney. Like it's it's yeah. just what they're good at. They've always been good at it, and um, so much of that is from their you know the uh, not the yeah the silly symphonies that had been released prior to this. Most of them were animal focused and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's where they had kind of gotten into it. Totally. They had not really done humans much. I think. They'd done one or two semi-realistic humans before this, and then they really kind of had to fake the humans a lot in this one where they filmed people and then just traced over them, rotoscoped them. Right. It looks really cool, but yeah, sort of that knowledge just kind of lessened it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think one part I wanted to comment here, I think this is the place that I wrote down just how good the uh, background art is, particularly when they're walking towards the cottage. Like, oh, the yeah. cottage yeah, looks yeah. so good. It's like, oh my gosh, you can hang that on the wall. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they use the multiplane a lot for that, and you get that depth of field with the foreground, and just like you said, like the, the painting and the, the colors and everything is just beautiful. Yeah, I literally made a note that 
that really stood out to me the cottage shot and mm-hmm. uh, really up to this point we hadn't had a lot of great cinematic shots i mean as far as like setting and stuff maybe snow white when she was picking flowers or something but that was really at this point was kind of where it first hit me when we were introduced to the cottage Mm -hmm. and i think that was also the intent was it was supposed to look like uh, a safe place and like it wasn't supposed to look spooky it was supposed to look kind of heavenly and And welcoming and and yeah cozy exactly so after they take her to the cottage uh she comes and she helps herself inside um, as most people do back in the day, like Goldilocks and everything, they just kind of break and enter and whatever. Um, Snow White goes inside, realizes how dirty the house is, and for whatever reason, she decides to clean the entire place. And uh, this is where she sings Whistle While You Work. Yep. That, Which is another really memorable Yeah, one. that one I think is the second most iconic outside of High Ho. Those are the two I really you know, remember from this movie. Yeah. One thing I noticed overall in this movie, and this is as good a time of any to mention it, is that because the movie is lacking so much in, in deep story, it is heavily propped up on sight gags with the animals and the dwarfs. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and especially, like, this scene is one of the first ones to kind of highlight that. Yeah, I actually just, have that written down, too. Okay, yeah. So yep. it's, yeah. you know, it's just how they decide. And it kind of goes back to that thing we... Uh, mentioned her at the top of the show that, that Clay said where they kind of had a gag incentive, right. which sounds weird, but like come up with sight gags, funny things, and, yeah. and they just sort of pile them on. It, it really right. f- kind of feels like an evolution of this movie of the Silly Symphonies. Yeah. Like it's just like a and, and I think that's symphony. kind of what viewers were looking for a little bit too, because animation was so new and astounding. Like this stuff was really amusing, and a lot of it was getting from one gag to one gag. Because that's what mm-hmm. an audience really enjoyed the most. And that's why they're seeing animation. If they wanted, like, you know, plot-driven, they probably wouldn't be seeing an animated movie as much. Right. Yeah. Well, totally. that's not to say. I mean, Hollywood in general wasn't super advanced as far as plots back then. Well, yeah, but no, but there's still, like, there still was, you know, the, the plot for a lot of movies at that time was still one of them driving force. Where if yeah. it feels like we're getting to a cool from cool gag to cool gag, and the plot mm-hmm. is more of a vehicle to get to the animation that's, and the gags. That's a fair assessment. Yeah, it's it's interesting that like the um, the animals being kind of following her around and doing all the stuff that trained animals couldn't do in a live action is kind of also mm-hmm. another good use of animation and to, to use animals in animation because it's something that audiences at the time would have never seen. You know, they just there wasn't anything else like this. Yep. Yeah, to see absolutely. animals cleaning a cottage. So <laughs> that was right. exciting to them, maybe. Yeah, and speaking about like visual gags, um, the scene where the woodland creatures and Snow White are sneaking into the house um, basically is where I realized my favorite character, who, who my favorite character in the movie is, and that is the turtle. The turtle, yes. I love <laughs> the turtle. He's, <laughs> he's so awesome. cool. When he's, he's trying so to climb good. the stairs. <laughs> yes, and he's always Biting. so happy, and yeah. he gets left behind, and he just turns around, smiles, and like carries on, he moves on. Yeah. And, yeah, and so he's just he's hilarious, and I love him. Um, I I did note during the cleaning segment. Wow, it's really long. It's much longer than I remember. Yeah. Um, but like you said, Jeff, it's just they're filling the time. They've got good music, and so you know visual gags. Uh, oh. The birds are doing this, and this is doing this, and it's just like, it, for after a minute, I was like, "Wow, this is still going on." I guess, yeah. um, not necessarily a bad thing, but just, uh, just kind of was like, I feel like we could be using this time for other things, but mm-hmm. 
what are you gonna do? Disney being Disney, you know. Yeah. Singing, singing, and doing gags. So, um, following that, we finally get to meet the dwarves. Finally. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, the movie gets much better at this point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are introduced to them as they're singing the dig song, as well as hi ho, uh, as they're leaving work and heading home. Yeah. And this is an impressive feat of animation all around. This is great music, and this really is the highlight of the movie for me. And right. I think, like you said, for you, like it's there's just some iconic scenes, like yeah. obviously them going over the log and their reflections and all their unique yeah. walks, like you talked about. I think every time someone you know mentions this movie, this is the first scene that comes to mind, especially the log scene, just them all going yeah. over that log, and yeah, oh, yeah. it's just so iconic. Totally. Um, I thought Hi Ho, or e- maybe even the dig scene, uh, both parts are really cool because just watching them, and I know we talked about the mannerisms, basically without even knowing who is who, we can kind of already figure out the name, like who yeah. each one is just by watching them, watching them sing and do things. Yeah. You, you can kind of start to figure out really quickly, oh, that one's grumpy, that one's pretty dopey, and, and uh... I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yeah, it's such a huge testament to Walt's idea to have them all have personality versus just, you know, seven dwarfs who live together. Like, to, to have those quirks and, and personality types just makes it that much more both visually interesting and then just from a character and story development standpoint, it's it's a lot better to, to have that, I think. You know, and maybe it's a little silly and one-dimensional that they each have a specific characteristic, but... You know, it's a cartoon. Totally. Um, one other thing I noticed, uh, when, when they get done putting all their gems in bags, they throw it in a mine or a, like a locked up, and then they lock it up and they leave the key by the door. Why? Yeah, I mean, you think about <laughs> the whole song. They're like, we don't know what we're digging for, but we just dig. So it's almost like they have this instinct to go do it, but right. they don't know what to do with it afterwards. And so it's sort of hinted at in the song, but like it opens up if you're really being critical, which... You don't need to be this critical of this, obviously, but if you are, like, where do they get their food? What's their economy? How do they, like, <laughs> do any of this? And why do they do so, this? So basically, they're mining all of these gems and precious stones and then just holding on to them and yeah. not doing anything with them. Very so they're probably super rich, and all they need to do is, like, get connected with the prince and sell them off, and then they can... Right. So they probably lived bougie after the end of this movie. The yeah. prince was like, hey, I'll buy these off you. <laughs> and then they were millionaires and, and yep. never had to do any. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm not a big lyric guy. I don't listen to lyrics very I, well. I don't I, much either. And so the fact that they don't know why they're digging, that's really interesting like, to think <laughs> yeah. about. But it's, it's pretty cool because it's, like, it's their instinct, so they just do it. So yeah. I thought that, that is cool. Uh, but I thought it was funny that they have a key by the door. Like, are they just keeping the yeah. animals out? Like, do they not <laughs> want the the woodland creatures to take their gems or what? I, don't know. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> it's funny. It's conspiracy, man. Yeah. So eventually, Snow White gets lazy and decides to fall asleep on some strangers' beds. Uh, but then the dwarves return home and the animals get scared off. But. Uh, apparently, uh, Snow White is a heavy sleeper, even though she, <laughs> on multiple occasions, like moans and yawns and stretches. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what what she was, what her thing was, but um, I so had that a, happens. A, yes, sort of a note 
just overall again, but this is a good spot. It's just like, if she was going to become the queen someday, I'm kind of glad that she either didn't or, you know, it's like maybe the queen was doing her a favor by taking her out <laughs> because like she has zero common sense and would probably not be a very good ruler. <laughs> not at this point, at least. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's probably been neglected though. She's just yeah. She's kind of stupid because all she's done is clean and cook her whole life. Maybe. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. I think more she's just an awful caricature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could try to justify it within the own story. It's, it's just yeah, it's just bad writing, like, terrible caricature. Yeah, I mean, you think like she's been hurt by the evil queen, somebody like you say, okay, she's just trustworthy because she grew up in a palace where everybody kisses her butt and whatever but no like she had to deal with whatever the queen did to her father mm -hmm. which we don't know but we assume she probably poisoned him or something and that she was just awful and so it's like she's not defensive by any stretch even though she should be she was almost murdered earlier that day so again should have been defensive but she wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah there's no way to defend her character she's yeah. just terribly written <laughs> um so eventually the dwarves uh, freak out when they realize someone's at their house. Uh, they go inside, realize everything's clean. Um, it's about this point that uh, one of them says Jiminy Crickets Yeah. Uh, for the first time. I think it's mentioned twice in the movie, um, mm -hmm. which I, it's fun to think that it's kind of alluding to, you know, the next movie. Um, uh -huh. But I think also it was actually a common phrase back then. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of Jiminy Crickets. But... It is still kind of interesting that, you know, they used it or whatever. Uh, and maybe more so brilliant that it was used as a character, You're, you know, later, it, later on. It, it, it's really amazing because if, if it was just sort of an expression to make it into the character to where the character is the way people remember it now and that it's still used now, but as a character, like, it's just incredible. Like, the, right. the influence. Yeah. It's come full circle. Totally. Yeah. So accidentally, the dwarves uh, end up jumping Dopey and basically beating the tar out of him. <laughs> yeah. Rip. Uh, rip I just, Mr. Dopey. I just love how they just instantly go to violence. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like they barely investigated. They see something under, hear something in their house, and they're just ready to kill the crap out of it. Which is a defensive standpoint, you know. Hey, just saying, that's a natural reaction. <laughs> I, I, I don't just just seems a little extreme. <laughs> Well, I mean, even I mean, when they... Go ahead. I was going to say, look at modern America. The instinct is to shoot a trespasser in your house. So, right, I know. You know. <laughs> Take pickaxes. <laughs> we don't need to go down that road <laughs> at all. Um, I've got some, I got some uh, comments here. There are some things I wrote down as I was watching this. Uh, at this point, we hear more of Doc speaking, or rather misspeaking a lot. And it's, oh my gosh. The, the older I get, the funnier it is. Because if you like stop and listen to what he misspeaks <laughs> almost every time, uh -huh. it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it all makes kind of sense. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's brilliant. Let's sneak up on it. Yes. <clears throat> we'll uh, squeak up. Uh, sneak up. Uh, come on, hand, uh, man. Follow me. Um, in fact, it kind of reminds me of David sometimes. Uh, Excuse me? I mean, uh, no. Uh, I think even at one point later, uh, Grumpy says something to um, to him. He says, in a pig's eye instead of a, in a pig's sty. Mm. And uh, and Doc runs with it. He's like, yeah, in a pig's eye. No, uh, pig, you know, just <laughs> yeah. like yeah. poking fun at him. I just thought that was hilarious. I'm like, 
I just thought it was a really good gag that was kind of endearing. Uh, also, at this point, we, we really see a lot of Dopey's physical humor. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, man, I just remember as a kid just cracking up over the things he would do. And even to this day, it, I still think it's hilarious. And so it's just yeah. something that... You know, some things you think are funny when you're a kid aren't necessarily as funny now, but his the way they created his character and the way he is done without saying any words is just like, it's still really well done, mm-hmm. uh, even to this day. And so I thought that was great. Um, yeah, and then I just mentioned the whole sneaking around their house thing is so brilliant and well done. Yeah. I mean, there's a part where uh, Dopey, like, looks, he, like, peers through someone's beard uh, like at the bottom he like <laughs> yeah. parts the beard and then at one point they just like step over dopey and they're like walking on his head um i don't know i just it's just the movie just gets so much better and, yeah because uh, i think one time i was watching it recently uh this movie maybe like six months ago and i was like falling asleep at the beginning but then as soon as these guys showed up i was like alert awake and just totally like could not stop watching it basically yeah, I had a couple other notes on this scene in particular. The the main one, most of my notes were technical. It's just kind of the things I like to look for. But the, the uh, as they they send Dopey up to the bedroom when they're yes. investigating, and he's got the candle, and the candle shadow is like the the shadow on the wall behind him as he goes up the stairs. It moves almost properly, not completely perfect as far as the flicker of the flame, but as far as where he's holding it in relation to his body. The, the shadow moves on the wall, which I just thought was an incredible attention to detail because most animation ever, you would just essentially trace the main animation and offset it by, you know, quarter inch left, quarter inch down right. and just leave it, you know, call it good. You know, it's, that's the, the Photoshop shadow as you do it now. And yet it moved around or whatever. And then as he peers into the door, he sticks the candle in first and his hand is shaking and trembling and the shadow on the floor is like shaking in the same Huh. Manner. It's just like, what an attention to detail, an extra bit. Uh, I just, I love that. And then the other note I had for the scene was that Grumpy is actually the only sensible one. So <laughs> yeah, I related that, to him a lot in this movie and that he's the smartest one of all of them. Yeah, it's actually interesting. I didn't think about that. He he does actually have common sense. Mm-hmm. It's You just don't think about it because it's kind of shrouded in meanness yeah. Yeah, exactly. compared, to, compared to the others. Yeah. Um, uh, this is also where we hear one of like the only sounds Dopey makes in the entire movie. Uh, <laughs> so jarring. It gets... me out, man. I don't like it. Here it comes. See, that's the thing. I, it, it feels really out of place for him, uh-huh. but I think that's what makes it so genius is that his sound <laughs> yeah. just doesn't really match him. Cause it's like, and yeah. it's like this, like grown up, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it's hilarious. It, it is kind of weird and maybe I could see how it could be a little creepy, but <laughs> I just think that makes it so perfect that it's just like not what you would expect to come yeah. out of dopey. But yeah. <sighs> um, all right. So let's, we can uh, continue on here. Uh, the dwarves eventually surround snow white's bed, almost murdering her in her sleep. They're literally holding clubs and pickaxes in the air, ready to strike down upon her uh, when she finally reveals that she's actually a very pretty woman, and then they decide not to murder her. Yep. So They're like, oh, actually, we're attracted to her instead, so now we're not yeah. going to kill her. Glad <laughs> More we of those undertones. <laughs> glad we didn't just soak our beds in blood of a young girl. 
Jeez. What do you think would happen uh, if they had taken off that cover and it was Prince Charming instead? <laughs> He'd be dead, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something would have happened. Or maybe they wouldn't. You never know. So this is the thirties though, let's be honest. <laughs> Following that, uh they decide it's time for dinner and uh but they, before that they must wash up. And so they have to go wash their hands, which they um, haven't done in years, apparently, or ever. Right. I love the uh, I love the dirty hands thing where sh- they show their hands. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of being a kid. I would have to show my mom if my hands were clean or not. And so, yeah. Um, so they go outside, and uh, this is where they sing the song. And I'm probably gonna butcher because it's just gibberish. Bloodle uddle um dum is mm, is the yep, name of it, or one. the or the hand washing song. Um, <laughs> I will say this is one of my favorite songs in the movie. Um, I don't know. I It was in the sing-alongs I used to watch, and I just, I don't know. It, the fact that they could take make a song about washing your hands and make it so catchy and entertaining to watch, I've just, I don't know. I've always liked it. Um, it's really silly, but I've just, I've just always really enjoyed it. Um, it was also at this point where I kind of noticed that a lot of the animation is very in sync with the music. Um, yeah. Uh, like, there's one point where, like, I think it's, like, Dopey's head goes up and down uh, when they're... Uh, oh, it's when they're, like, grouping up to, to tackle Grumpy into the water or whatever, or take him over. He, like, lifts his head up, and then they push it back down. But it, it's, like, in time with the music. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, like when uh, the turtle falls down the stairs, it's it's all in rhythm with the music that's happening. So I noticed that it seemed like at times they intentionally animated or or like got things planned out so that the orchestration worked along with what we were seeing visually. And I thought that was really yeah. cool. That's probably going back to their Silly Symphonies roots that those entire things were built oh, around yeah. that and that right. everything was calculated out the metronome was set to you know the 24 frames per second etc etc so yeah that was that was something they were good at and i think it's great that they capitalized on that um one thing i'll say about the appeal of that song and that to me is that it sounds kind of like turkey in the straw which is a song from steamboat willie it's like it's kind of got that part in it right and so maybe that's part of the universal appeal of it i don't know if it's just a good i also love that they never wash but they have soap. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes like it's out one of those nowhere. just in case things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it if we ever need it, but we'll never use it. Who knows? That's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so finally we cut back to the evil queen who's once again uh, going to the mirror to uh, refresh the browser to see if she's finally <laughs> the fairest of them all uh, only to find out that she's not. And then uh, this magic mirror uh, being, you know, as helpful as it is really pushes the plot along and basically tells her exactly where she can find snow white, uh, which kind of makes her hiding all the less like needed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. She's still alive. And the heart you have is of a pig and, and not, you know, not, her at all and so the queen gets really mad and she's like all right that's it i'm going down to my dungeon i'm going to use my black magic and transform into an old lady um a couple things i i mentioned i liked about this part excuse me um the i like the ingredients she uses in the potion on this part Mm, um she 
um, there's like all these different ones because obviously when you have like a witch making a potion there's always like really elaborate things that it requires but uh, I don't know it just it really played up the fairy tro fairy tale trope well and it was like there's like every time she would do something like it would scream or the lightning it was just I don't know I just thought it was really cool um, granted when I was a kid it was probably terrifying but um, I don't know it's just like I just thought it was really cool and they came up with some really unique things it wasn't just her like pouring things into a cauldron they actually made them kind of come alive as she used yeah. these ingredients and I thought that was neat yeah I totally I appreciate that too yep one thing I, I wish um, this scene would go oh, you you saying something sorry no go ahead no, I was just saying I wish I always wish this scene included the fate of the huntsman because I feel like I feel like she, she found out yeah, the huntsman she, lied to her, but she like doesn't really do anything about it. You kind of wonder if he skipped town after that. Yeah. Cause he, he must've known that she'd find out, but maybe not. I mean, he doesn't know that she's magical. So maybe he's like, Oh yeah. Hell she'll never know. Mm, yeah. Her. So who knows? I, we well, know that she's even, scary. And she makes a point when she gets down to the dungeon, she says something about him. Um, Cause I thought maybe like, in between her finding out that it was a heart and when she went down there, like maybe she dealt with them, but it, it pretty much plays it out. Like she's, she heads straight down there and transforms. So I assume it was like a, she will deal with him later kind of thing, mm -hmm. but she obviously never gets a chance to do so. But yeah, I, I thought about that too. I was like, I wonder if he's going to get it. And you see a lot of skeletons down in the dungeon, but yeah. uh, nothing, nothing implied that it's him. So it's kind of dark too for a, uh Disney movie with it with a skeleton who's like reaching out for the food out of the cave. Yeah, I mm -hmm. I save that for later because that's actually when she turns into the old lady and she's leaving. But oh, um, no, it's totally fine because they they all kind of blend together. No, I I had I wanted to bring that up to you guys because that part with that skeleton reaching out for the water, little kid me that that shot like rocked me to the bone no, no pun intended but like i think at that point i realized like death like i understood mortality death. yeah yeah and i was just like holy cow that guy was like so close and he literally died reaching for water like it just like messed with me and so when i watched it the other day i was it like all came back to me and it was just like even her just kind of walking by it like unsettled me and i was just like ooh, that reminds me of when i was a kid and it totally like spooked me yeah. Um, but like, it's super cool though. At the same time, like, uh, it's, the fact that it did that to me, like it's pretty cool. So one thing for me to note, just going into the critiquing of the story, which again is like almost silly, but like what an elaborate, ridiculous plan that she's doing to take out Snow White. Like, I don't know it's why she couldn't just go murder her or go cast a spell on her in person or hire a better assassin. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so weird that she goes through all this trouble to kind of poison her essentially. Especially when she doesn't really have a backup plan to. Yeah. In case like, or like she, she turns ugly, but it doesn't say like she can un ugly herself later. Right. right. She'll have to go do a different spell. <laughs> I mean, she sneaks into her house alone and she could, she could have just shivved her. Right. right. <laughs> Had a knife and just right. and done I mean, it. she was cutting the crust off the pies. It totally could have happened. Right. <laughs> so at the end of the scene, uh, a really cool shot that I like. Um, basically, we see her turn. The, we have this transformation, which the transformation itself is really well done. You see her mm -hmm. hands kind of change, and then she kind of reveals herself. Um, 
my favorite part of the scene is at the very end she looks directly into the camera and then it like fades to black but her eyes kind of last longer yeah. than everything else does oh it's so good oh, it's yeah. so iconic but it's just like it's creepy but i don't know just the way they did it and they like made her eyes last a little bit longer than everything else it was just like man kind of like so good very haunted mansion ish totally it's pretty cool i like it too yeah, yeah it's a great shot so following that, um, we go back to Snow White and the, and the dwarves. Um, and I think they realize at that point, we should probably lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and so we are presented with the yodeling song where Snow White is dancing and with the dwarves and they're singing and everybody's having a good old time. Um, this is a pretty, um, this is a pretty good scene. I like this song. Um, not a lot to sing along to really. I mean, there are some lyrics here and there, but, yeah. um, one part, one thing I really love about the scene is the organ that they play is yes. like super cool. I love like the, the owls and the, and the mouths and the things that, I don't know. It's just like, I don't even know if they make organs like that in real life, but <laughs> I just, I think that organ that they made for it is just super cool. Yeah. I love all the valves opening and the animals carved into it and all that stuff. Like yeah. super awesome. Mm-hmm. One thing about this scene is it's super famous throughout Disney history in that it's been essentially traced for like two or three if not more other films oh, yeah. projects where like Robin Hood and the Aristocats oh yeah yeah um, yeah right the Robin Hood it's the, the infamous recycled animation this is one of the most used ones that I'm aware of um, oh, and yeah. it's, it's an impressive scene like, there is a lot of sight gags that's you know fluffing out the song again but um, you know Snow White's dancing which again I think was rotoscoped still looks pretty good but the better thing is like the the dopey and whoever's shoulders it's knees on okay oh yeah <laughs> right so, but like that caricature animation where it was more goofy is so much more interesting to look at and watch and it's such a better show off of the talent of the animators you know mm. so still yeah great totally uh one of the notes i have in here from when i was watching dopey is racist toward asians uh, do either of you remember or think why I, I would have wrote that down? Not right off the top of my head. <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine it. <laughs> At one point, he uh, crashes the symbol on his head and he wears it off. Uh, he's wearing it on his head and then he puts his hands under his... Oh. His, and then he does like a little weird eye thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what they're making fun of, but it kind of looks sure like they're it was. D- yeah. doing the Asian thing. Dopey's but. a terrible person. <laughs> He is. Yeah, there's others. Mocking them. (laughs) No, I I don't know if it's a good part to talk about it too, but his behavior towards Snow White's really, really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be like a puppy, but then you realize it's a man, and then it's just creepy. It's like, how many kisses can I get from her? It's like, oh, actually, Dopey's a sexual predator. Nice. I like that I, uh, your your analysis of most of the characters in this are just that creepy. <laughs> the prince, yeah. he's creepy, <laughs> sexual predator. Pretty much. Dopey. Well, <laughs> I guess in, in my head, Dopey doesn't have a beard, so he's much younger than everybody else. So yeah. I like to he's think got that, that Dopey's manly voice, man. Yeah, uh-huh. he's clearly old enough <laughs> to be attracted to her. No, I think he's a little kid. That's the way I think it in my head. He he's innocent and he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just a little kid. And he has a crash on Snow White. Yeah. But everybody else are, are grown I up. think he's an adult <laughs> with some sort of disorder. Yeah. No, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> that ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it really weird. Yep. <laughs> um, one thing I, I really like about this movie that I noted at this point 
Um, and it happens it happens multiple times throughout the movie. But uh, at the end of this scene, uh, Sneezy finally sneezes and uh, basically pops the balloon on with Dopey on his shoulders. And uh, and then it, it kind of like deflates. And then everybody just all the dwarves erupt in laughter. And uh, I noticed pretty much whenever the dwarves are around, they're always laughing. Like there's always like extra laughter in the background going on in yeah. a lot of their scenes and I don't know I just I really like that they added that um, it, it just kind of seems infectious you know listening to them they're always laughing at each other and stuff because yeah. they literally are it's, around each other all the time and they just laugh at each other I think that's yeah. awesome it seems like a realistic portrayal of if like seven really good friends all live together like right. they'd be giving each other crap all the time and laughing and whatever like I feel like <laughs> sounds a lot like my dorm days in college you know yeah, like I think when they uh, when they finally uh, spruce up Grumpy and they put the little bows on him, they're all just <laughs> laughing at him and yeah. stuff. And so I don't know. I just the laughter that they got for for that just it's like perfect. It yep. totally reminds you of like messing around with your buddies back in the day and just laughing mm-hmm. at each other. So totally. I I thought that was really cool. I wanted to point that out. So yeah. Finally, Snow White gets the guys to calm down, and she uh, basically tells them that she's uh, met a dude, and uh, a dude that she's in love with. Uh, and by in love with, I mean uh, she met for one second and then ran away from. <laughs> right. And uh, she then continues to uh, sing the song "Someday My Prince Will Come," which is a very iconic song, I would say. Yeah. Um, and even though it's a mushy gushy song that sung by a girl um it's still really good and uh very iconic uh it's hard not to love it and it's very easy to get stuck in your head i think uh you guys what do you do you, do you like this song fans of someday my principal <laughs> yeah Club? i think it's a good song i mean it's not i like we talked about earlier like this whole soundtrack in general is not the very best but yeah of the ones that are in here it's it's an iconic one it's a well-known one um I don't really listen to the lyrics like I mentioned earlier. I just hear bits and pieces, so I couldn't really tell you what the whole thing was. I, All I can remember is someday my friends will come. I think the lyrics were honestly kind of hard to make out in this movie just because of the really old sound mix. Totally. Yeah, and it's it's clear like because she, she has such a high voice, whatever old school bikes they were using don't really reproduce her voice very well. It just kind of sounds... Uh-huh. I don't know what the word is, but it doesn't sound very clear because her she, she has such a high range. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time yeah. understanding, particularly Snow White songs. I think are really hard to understand. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah. But yeah, they were definitely not as good as I expect. Yeah. Really, not up until about the '80s did they start getting good. Maybe the '70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was at this point in the movie that I I made a note of something um, that you you start to slowly see Grumpy kind of softening up and falling yeah. for snow white not necessarily like falling in love with her but uh, really starting to kind of i don't know accept her and realize that she's special and stuff and really grumpy's story in this movie is actually kind of like a secondary storyline yeah um it he he i mean it doesn't get a ton of screen time but um it's nice to see a little bit of a character arc uh, from one of the characters because uh, <laughs> yep. m- most of the other you know they start the same and they end the same but really you s- excuse me see him kind of progress as the movie goes on yep. and basically honestly 
all of the characters in this movie, he probably betters himself by the end more than anybody else, Definitely. Snow White included. I don't think Snow White learns anything in this movie. No. She literally just kind of like... You can be <laughs> a idiot, undefensive, just happy-go-lucky, whatever, and then you'll get what you want and right off into the sunset. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> yep. Uh, I have so. a hard time finding sympathetic <laughs> characters in this movie. Aside from the yeah, turtle. I, I, the turtle is a sympathetic character. That's it. No, I, totally. I identified with Grumpy more than anybody in this watch through. I can't with Grumpy. He's just so horribly sexist until the end. It's just so hard to identify with him. But I, yeah. I, I do agree that he does have a character arc and that is at least sort of entertaining to watch. Yeah, Which, totally. Um so I, I don't know. I thought that was worth mentioning. I don't normally like notice that kind of stuff, but as watching it, I was like, oh, it's good to see somebody actually like softening up or learning a lesson because I don't mm-hmm. feel like we're really getting that. Yeah. Um, all right. So at that point, Snow White goes to sleep. Uh, the dwarves are gentlemen enough. She goes enough. to sleep up in their room. Yeah. <laughs> right. And <laughs> she take, she only takes three beds, but they left the rest of them up there. I guess they could have moved them down. Um, but they yeah. didn't. And so they end up fighting over this infamous pillow, uh, which for some reason, like when I saw the pillow, I'm like, oh, the pillow. I remember the pillow. Yeah. And it, I don't know, just something about it, it. They made it look like a really comfortable pillow and Dopey was smart enough to grab it. And then they just like destroyed it and he ended up with, with a single feather. Bless <laughs> yeah. his heart. Yeah. And then the scene is filled with, with more sight gags again, you know, kind of one for each dwarf sleeping. Um, one thing I found odd was Dopey ends up sleeping on sleepy's rear end and he kind of like fluffs it like a pillow and it's just That's right. really weird and awkward and <laughs> probably really innocent back then but today totally. it's just right, like right. super creepy um and actually a few scenes down the road there's another interaction between those two involving bottoms so i what? thought that was odd yeah I, i'll just skip to it real quick we'll get to it Do but it. like they're uh, when they're leaving the mine the second time when uh, the animals come and get them or whatever um as they're running away or whatever, like Dopey pushes Sleepy into the minecart by his rear end, but like literally lifts him by his rear end. And I was like, what is happening with these two? <laughs> hey man. The other thing is, are they brothers? Are they friends? Do we know this? Yeah, like, there's there's I, more I undertones know. with this. Yeah. Hopefully they're not related. You know, maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they just, they got a little thing going. No That's idea. Fine. That's a great question. Um, all right. So at this point we go back to the queen uh, again, a lot of back and forth here. Uh, Queen creates the poison apple, uh, which I, I I've noted that I really love the skull that forms over the apple yeah. as it's you know kind of dripping and stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really iconic, and I just I don't know I think it's really ominous, but like super cool. I love yep. that part. Um, and then she also like <laughs> randomly is like, I wonder if I sh- I should probably look and see if there's a uh, what's the word? Not remedy, but um antidote yeah and and like yeah i think that's what she said it was i wonder if there's an antidote for this for this sleeping death and then she's like oh no and basically love's first kiss could remedy it but it doesn't matter because as soon as they think she's dead they'll bury her underground and that will be the end of it which is what normal people would do logically (laughs) yeah people people are gonna yeah um (laughs) But that doesn't happen. Uh, Foreshadow. <laughs> and so um, then we see her leave and she gets on a little boat and 
crosses a, a small amount of water and gets out. Real quick, like the kind of if you really look into that or dig into that, the under or the implication there is that she's basically going to have the dwarfs murder her for her because this right. whole sleeping death, she stays sleeping, whatever. But if she assumes that they'll just bury her, like they'll just suffocate her in the earth. Like, holy yep. crap, that's dark. It is dark. <laughs> Jeez. Keeps her uh, hands clean. Yeah, right. Uh, so then we follow back up. We get back to Snow White and the dwarves. The dwarves are leaving for the day. Uh, they all get their kiss on the head. Um, and uh, I think that's the point where she, uh, you, you kind of see um, Grumpy kind of, he kind of like falls for her and then he falls in a creek and it seems yeah. like every time he like starts to like her, he runs into things mm-hmm. and which like, I feel like takes him back a step, you know, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or one step forward, two back, whatever. Um, anyway, they leave and then the old lady arrives real quick, and, real quick. <laughs> the, okay. the last thing with grumpy there in that last scene, he literally warns her, don't open the door for anyone or anything. Like he's again being the sensible one, being the smart one. Like obviously he knows that the queen's trying to kill her, and so he knows they shouldn't be leaving her alone. But for some reason they have to go to work because it's, I guess, embedded in their DNA. (laughs) And so he warns her and tells her, and she's just disrespects him by not listening to him. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) So thankfully the woodland creatures can see through all this. I guess because the vultures are nearby. Uh, how about them vulture guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they freak out and they try to attack the old lady, uh, which only helps her get inside more. And then the woodland creatures take off to go get the dwarves. Yep. Following that, Snow White eats the apple uh, and then falls down off screen only to reveal her hand holding the apple, um, which I guess is kind of iconic in its own way. Um, oh, one thing I also mentioned, uh, when Snow White's making pie uh, before the old lady shows up, it looks super good for some yeah, reason. Like when I was a kid, I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like gooseberry. On. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what a gooseberry is, but it, it looks like peas, like little green, like circle dots um, in, in the movie. But uh, I only know gooseberry from Viva Pinata. So they look gooseberry. like grapes. Yeah. Okay, so it really is a thing then. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Um, at this point, uh, one thing I noticed that's, or I noted that's really good about the scene is it goes back and forth from uh, the woodland creatures telling the dwarves, hey, something's up, and they finally, like, realize. And so they're rushing back, and then it would cut to, you know, the, the old lady trying to get Snow White to eat the apple, mm-hmm. and then it would, it would go back, and man... Just the back and forth there keeps the tenseness I was say, really high. Builds the tension so good. Totally, yeah, I agree. Um, kind of has like a Star Wars thing going on, where like you have like a bunch of things going on at multiple times, and it cuts back and forth. And um, I don't know, just really good cinematography, and just like really kind of putting people on the edge of their seat. I just thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Now I want to put Duel of the Fates underneath that and see and see how it sounds <laughs> with with the <laughs> bump, with bump, all bump, the bump, lightning. Bump, bump, bump. With all the lightning and rain, it would probably work pretty good, actually. Yeah, it probably would. <laughs> so finally, all uh, seven dwarves arrive, 
And instead of going inside to check on Snow White, they all continue to chase the old lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> despite there being eight of them, they could have, like, split up. Uh, they chase her up a mountain where she tries to kill the dwarves, but instead... Um, lightning or mother nature or god intervenes <laughs> and yep. smashes uh or shoots lightning and causes the old lady to fall backwards and get smashed by a boulder that's a nice boulder mm-hmm. um i mentioned <laughs> I, I noticed the rain and the storm animations look really well done in this scene uh really adds to how intense and severe the entire scene is yeah. um i also like the way the old queen dies uh, sets kind of a precedent for Walt Disney villains yeah, and how they die. Still, right. even to this day, it's the it's never it's always a fall or whatever. It's never by at, usually at the hand of the good guy. And, yeah, like I said, keeping like, those hands clean. Right, exactly. I thought it felt <laughs> like really quick this time though, just because. Oh yeah, there's su- there's such a small amount of the witch as is. With the queen as is, whatever you want to call her, it's just like everything felt like it was leading up to this big confrontation, and then she just like plop. Yeah, I had a note <laughs> that Act Three was just like super short. Yeah, because like it's, it's just boom, it, it's over. Yeah, because everything yeah. is the every, everything else is just because there's so many of those large gag sections that really yeah. the actual plot feels really really thin and just like speckled on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. They, but, I mean, it's their first time. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I cut them some stack for that, and still, you know. We'll get to final thoughts later, so continue. Mm-hmm. Um, following that, we have uh, Sad Funeral, which is sad. Um, it yes. kind of has it has this like weird um, stylized like glow to the scene. Yeah, uh, kind of reminds me of like soap operas, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like kind of fuzzy, diffused, and, or whatever. Yeah, uh, light bloomish kind of. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. There's just something about a bunch of dwarves crying and then showing a bunch of sad woodland creatures out in the rain and like yeah, a sad organ. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yep. And I mean, granted we all pretty much knew at that point, like it's, it's not going to be over, but man, it's still, they were pretty effective in making it pretty sad. Mm, yep. Following that, uh, we get some text on the screen. Uh, um, yeah. I guess they couldn't figure out a way to the weirdest part of I feel like they just ran out of time and money yeah I feel like this this wasn't originally planned to just be text maybe Um, they just couldn't figure out how to convey it visually yeah yeah as David said this is kind of a weird part basically the text explains that the dwarves could not bring themselves to bury her because she's so beautiful that they decide decide to put her in a glass coffin above ground because why not (laughs) That's not creepy or weird. You know what? This corpse is still pretty hot. Let's just leave it up here to yeah. case. It doesn't seem to be getting cold, so... <laughs> Let, let's let's see what happens. You know? Just make sure yeah, Dopey doesn't do so any weird many stuff. questions. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first hot day of the season, they'd be like, all right, time to bury her. She's fogging yeah, up the glass. Like, they, like the whole greenhouse effect thing? Like, <laughs> she would have cooked. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> so many things wrong with this. <laughs> um... But then we don't know how long passes during all of this, but eventually the prince like shows up for some reason. I don't know how he like. I guess he caught he's wind. Just riding through. Yeah. That's all he does like, apparently oh. is break into the people's property. <laughs> right. He's just he's literally driving around listening for young women who are singing to themselves. 
hoping yeah. to like sing Sink back to wall them. And, yeah. Here's a that's quote. what every girl wants. Right. First the castle, and then like you know, we would look to him be like a funeral. He's like, oh, coffin. Let's go kiss that. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. The I prince mean, I, may be the actual villain of this yeah. movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he was he was actually supposed to be in a lot more of the movie uh, and the original, like a lot of the writing. At one point, uh, he gets captured by the evil queen, and he ha- like is put in the dungeon, and he has to escape. There's like rising water coming at him, so they had a, a lot more of a character for him. But then basically, they, they decided like for whatever reason, like ah, let's make him very very secondary character, um, which is interesting. But yeah, anyway. Prince shows up, kisses the dead girl, she wakes up, and then they peace out and yeah. leave the uh, leave the poor seven doors behind. I know, doesn't the even end. ask about, like, she doesn't even ask, like, how long was I? Oh, what happened? Like, she doesn't have any care in the world except going away with the prince. Like, she yep. is so obsessed. I feel like there's, again, another disorder here <laughs> where she has this obsession with being with the prince so much that she puts her own safety and well-being out of her mind. Like, I feel like that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's so much wrong with her character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's awful. And that's but it, guys. That's it. That's the end. You made it through. The end. We Woo! made it to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's carried away happily ever after. You know, so it all worked out in the end. Indeed. Uh, Unbelievably so. <laughs> all right. So now we are the three of us are going to take turns. We're going to give our final thoughts overall about the movie. And then I want each of us to rate this out of 10. Uh, zero being this is the worst movie ever. And 10 being this is like a perfect movie. Can't be beat. Um, feel free to use. This is your personal opinion. This isn't like what how you think it should be ranked above. Like like of them all. Um, feel free to use like the fact that it is the first one. And it, it had this impact. You can use that in your like thought process of how you rate it but really at the end of the day it's it's how good do you think it is on a one to ten scale and if you want to incorporate in like the effect it had on people or what it's precedent in and set up for the future you can add that in too but let's hear your guys thoughts uh we'll start with david then we'll do jeff and then i will close this out and we'll get out of here all right so i mean i think i'll start with what i like about the movie and that's definitely the animation and the character design and all that stuff is just so incredibly well done. The animation is amazing. Golden Age animation is is some of the most incredible works of art like ever achieved. And it's I can't understate that enough. And I think that's why this movie has had such lasting appeal is because you you really are watching to get to those and those particular scenes, those particular characters that you like. And that's really what pushes it forward. Um, that being said, it's the plot is is just atrocious uh the pacing is really bad and it's hard it's hard to not even if you take it into account the time it was made like i feel like modern audiences don't really care about that and i feel like first and foremost i have to review it for people who are going to be watching it today and there's there's just the the kill out of the characters outside of their look and their animation and some of their quirks are just particularly the main character snow white and i think I think um, this would have been a lot better if it had been just solely about the dwarves, because <laughs> her character is just the messaging around her character is just pretty 
just really problematic. It's basically the. I feel like the moral of the movie is basically, if you're if you're pretty enough, the entire world will go your way no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like yeah, because again and again throughout the movie, the only thing that saves her is her good looks, and it's like. Oh, they didn't bury her because of her good looks. The dwarves didn't kill her because of her good looks. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, that's literally the only redeeming quality. It basically puts the entire, well, the, the entire worth of her character is basically her beauty. And the only things, yeah, and it's like she exists only to be beautiful and to be saved by the men male characters. It's just horrible messaging. And I mean, Prince Charming's awful too, don't get me wrong. He's basically just like an overbearing creep that just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Predator but you're on the prowl, right? Yeah, pretty much. It, it is just like I—I I don't know. It's—it's it, it's a movie that I feel like it's really cool for anim- animation historians, and I absolutely recommend anyone, everyone, to watch it. But like, I probably wouldn't like was wouldn't be one the first one I would start if I had kids. I would start, wouldn't start them watching with this until they were older and could appreciate the history of it more just because I feel that the messaging is so problematic. So I think all in all, I'd probably give it, I, I don't feel like, I feel like with the plot that it has, I can't rate it higher than a seven, but I can't do it lower than a seven just because of the quality of the animation and these iconic scenes and just so much of the movie is incredibly beauty, beautiful. It's an incredible work of art and I will still enjoy watching it despite all of its problems because of that. But I would say, you know, wait till your kids are old enough to understand the history. Fair yeah, enough. I, I was going to say, for me, it's very similar to your assessment of it. Um, I I rated it higher based on the technical achievement of what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was sort of your thought process, too, because it's just like the, a lot of the special effects in this movie... Um, they went above and beyond. They didn't take any of the shortcuts that they, they mm-hmm. learned to do later. You know, so there's there's water reflections, there's rain, there's smoke, there's there's all these different things um, that just were leaps and bounds ahead of anything they'd ever tried before. Um, and to the point that they didn't ease themselves into a feature animation. They, they went all guns blazing into it. I respect immensely and it shows and the quality of the film uh, on a technical standard is just incredible. It's just, it's yeah, it's been restored nowadays. So it maybe looks better than it was presented in theaters back then, mm-hmm. but it's still the original content. And in that regard, it's still just unbelievable. This came from 1930. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so outside of that, I would not recommend anyone watch it for any other reason except for the historical context. Like I wouldn't just go and say this movie is awesome. You need to see it. Mm-hmm. I would only say this is the first animated feature. This is a very important technical achievement. You should watch it for that reason. Um, I did put in that note younger than 10, but I actually agree more with what Dave said just a second ago in that it, it should be saved for when you're a little bit older and can understand the context. Right. I don't want my children learning the lessons from this movie per se, right. because they're awful and, and you're right. Um, it's funny, I went and visited my sister not that long ago and she pretty much doesn't show the older Disney princess movies to her kids. She only shows them the more modern ones. Yeah, that's what um, I would do too. And I part of that she said was their choice. But regardless, it's like, yeah, it, there is messaging here. And, and I do know people who had really skewed perceptions of reality because of how the early Disney movies were. That's what they were raised on. That's what they thought would happen if they wished it. It would happen, whatever. So um, overall, I gave it an 8 out of 10 and that's 
again for the technical achievement okay wow all right well i feel like you rated it really well and then you just like crapped all over it so (laughs) which is which is interesting you guys are actually rating it higher than i thought you would um i agree totally about the the technical achievements and what it what it started and what it what it worked out i also totally agree that man there's just not a lot of redeeming quality to the overall narrative Mm -hmm. um but I do think it's something that they got better at. I think Pinocchio uh, teaches a really good lesson. I think Dumbo has some good lessons in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's something they, I don't know if it was like a thing that when they got done, they're like, we need to fix this. But it, it, it does get better. Uh, I agree the plot is, is a little lacking. Um, but um, I don't know, a couple thoughts I had. I, I You guys are kind of hard on the music. I actually thought watching it recently the music was better than i normally would give it credit for um i don't personally like if i'm gonna put on music that's like listen to disney music i'm not gonna pull up this one um and as a kid listening to snow white sing a bunch of songs about cleaning and falling in love with boys didn't really like (laughs) speak to me i guess um but like i said earlier a lot of the melody lines and just the 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 actual like the way the the notes were written and just i don't know that kind of stuff i feel like it hit me a lot more this time where i'm like wow this is actually a little bit better and and the uh the dwarves songs i think are are really enjoyable too so uh that was one thing i noticed uh as i said earlier the movie basically sucks up until the point that the dwarves show up so after that it gets much better um and uh it's actually a lot it's a really scary movie and i know some disney movies are pretty scary especially some of the older ones uh but just something i noticed like wow this is still pretty intense a little bit scary um certain scenes uh seem to drag more than they needed to um but at, at times i just wondered if maybe they're either doing what they felt comfortable with what they knew how to do or if they were just trying to get uh, you know that that runtime that they needed to make it full length or whatever. Um, so there was certain parts where I felt like it just dragged. It was like, all right, we get it. Um, so all those things said, I don't know. I was between like a six and a seven. Um, I feel like you guys rated it, like I said, <laughs> higher than I thought you would. Um, but I don't want it to like if I throw this number out, I don't want it to feel like um, I don't like it because I do. Um, I'm gonna go with a six. Okay. Um, and uh i'm gonna say that just because uh eight just seems way too high because you're like you're pushing getting up there into the really good and perfect mm-hmm. and i just don't feel like it yeah. deserves that um but like the the reason you guys threw out i think is totally valid um this is by far not my favorite uh golden age movie i don't mm-hmm. know what my favorite golden age movie is but I've decided by the time we get through all these, I'm going to have a favorite and I'm going to make you guys pick one as well. Okay. So, um, that's fair, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch uh, through these and, and with a real critical eye, um, we didn't state this earlier, but we all did watch the movie, uh, before coming back in. We've all obviously seen these movies. Um, one thing I missed earlier in the show was, was doing our history with the movie. Um, and it somehow got taken out of my show doc, but next time we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, if we have any stories or memories, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But, um, any, any last thoughts guys, before I close this out? No, I think, uh, we summarized it. Yep. pretty well i don't have anything else other than my closing thoughts there yep but. i'm good 
You said you don't have anything more than your closing thoughts? Other than yeah, the, you, the, yeah. the ones I gave in there. Other, yeah. other than, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> I, will, I will say there is a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff about this um, yeah, about is. this movie, and I, thankfully it's it wasn't like there was a lot that was said about it, I, I assume, in like years later. Um, you would think maybe something this old, it would be difficult to find information about it, but I guess maybe being the milestone that it is, it's just really been talked about a lot. So I, I had a really good time just reading up on it and learning about it. Um, after a while I kind of read everything. And so everything I was seeing was just repeat of of the same, you know, facts over and over, but, um, it's still really cool and really fun to look back on this. So, uh, I, I had a good time. Did you guys enjoy this? Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I actually, really did like digging into it and looking at it from a more critical perspective. I've never really critically dissected a Disney movie before, so it's kind of cool nice. to watch it with that lens. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. If you made it through to the end of the episode, we appreciate you sticking it out with us. Um, hopefully, uh, interjecting interjecting some music and, and sound clips made it interesting and kind of helped you kind of relive it as we talk through it. Um, next month, next month we will be going on to the next movie in the series, which is Pinocchio, and so uh, it should be uh, it should be fun. Uh, Jeff, unfortunately, I don't think there are any Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs video games that we can cover on the show, to my knowledge. Um, there might be some like really old old ones, but um, so this might be the end of Snow White for us on this show. But anywho, uh, normally we are reviewing uh, Disney video games here on Mouse Bites. Um, So if you haven't checked any of those out yet, please uh, give them a listen, see what you think. Uh, We'd love love for you to join us. Um, But if not, definitely stop back next month where we will be taking a look at Pinocchio. David, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It was great having you on. Had a blast. Jeff, yeah. Jeff uh, basically told me the other day he couldn't do this show without you. You know, it's just... uh, um, Makes sense. <laughs> uh, Jeff's telling me that there's a Snow White game that came out on the Game Boy Color in 2001. So maybe <laughs> we'll have to well. look into that. <laughs> yeah, I guess we will. Uh, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's a huge hit. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, I hope we get to play as Snow White and not the Dwarves. <laughs> that's what I want in a video game. About I want it to be like GTA 5 where you change characters constantly. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, guys. Uh, as we get as we leave, I'm gonna play some music. Uh, enjoy it, and we'll see you next time. See you Goodbye. later. Adios. Adios.